Well, hey everyone, I'm so glad that you are joining us again online. Listen, it really does mean a lot to us and our team that you would give us just a few minutes of your time to not only check in to see what we're talking about, but I hope that you're also checking in to see what God wants to talk about in your personal life. You know, we really do believe at The Bridge that God's Word is more relevant today than it has ever been in its history. So we absolutely love opening up God's Word to find out, God, what do you want to say to me? And wow, what a series this has been in discovering that truth that God really wants to speak to you about certain monsters in your life or around your life that really want to take your life. And that's what this series has been all about, baby monsters. Now, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, and I just want to reiterate. The reason I love our logo and the design that our team put together is because these little monsters look so fun. And we have to be honest, in the beginning, they are fun. <laughs> have you ever thought about this? If sin wasn't fun, no one would do it. Like, we wouldn't need to be talking about sin and how to conquer sin. And what did Jesus say about how to conquer sin? If it wasn't fun, no one would do it. And so I love that we've illustrated how these little sin monsters come in. They make sin fun. They allure us with their words. But the problem is, and we've all experienced this, later on in life, in our 30s, in our 40s, rocking into our 50s, some of us may or may not be there, we discover that these little monsters that we used to play with now is actually playing with us. And I love that Jesus speaks into that space in our heart, in our mind, and in our life and relationships to say, there is a better way to live. You do not have to live defeated. You do not have to live with guilt and shame and I love what we're going to talk about today. You do not have to live in the same cycle with these monsters that have played with you for so long. So I'm excited to wrap up our series. And again, if you've missed our series, uh, with the very first week, Kurt talked about pride, the little lustful monster of pride. Uh, I followed that up in week two, talking about the little uh, monster of greed that we've all struggled with. And last week, our professional counselor friend, Matt Barnhill, talked about anger. So if you missed any of those messages, you can go back online and catch any of those at your convenience. Today, I'm wrapping it up, and I have to tell you, I'm super excited to talk about this little monster called lust. Now, here's the thing with this message. A couple of things. Number one, this little monster of the others that we've talked about uh, has, has done more damage in my life, in my marriage, in my personal life, in my professional life than I actually want to admit. I've shared my story before. I'll share a little bit more about my story a little bit later on in the message. But what God has taught me, not only in my journey in defeating this monster personally, but what I learned this week just for this message 
I'm pretty excited about it. So I hope you have lunch, dinner, or sleeping bag. We're gonna be going for the next several hours together on this topic. Okay, not really, but I'm really excited to share with you what God has shared with me, and I believe it will help you. So before we jump into this, let's get a working definition of the word lust. As defined in scripture, here's how I want to use the word lust and its definition. To greatly desire or to set your heart upon. That's what we're gonna work with. I believe that's what scripture teaches lust is. I greatly desire that, and I have set my heart on that. Now, question for you. When I mentioned the word lust and its definition, did your mind go to something sinful, or did it go to something positive and godly? Because the reality is, it can go either way. I want to give you an example to where the word lust is used with Jesus. Now, don't turn me off. Don't, don't, don't leave. Just hang with me. Here it is in Luke chapter 22, verse 15. It's right before Jesus had the last supper. And here's what Jesus said. Jesus said to them, his disciples, I have eagerly desired. That's the same word as lust used in different parts of the Bible. I have eagerly desired, I have set my heart upon this moment to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. So according to scripture, did Jesus lust? Yes. Did Jesus sin? Never. Now, so don't go be telling your friends and family that Jesus lusted, okay? Without the context, you're going to look like a complete, you know, heretic. So don't do that. Here's what I'm wanting you to understand. Lust can go either way. You can greatly desire something that is sinful, or you can greatly desire something that is godly and good and right. Um, You can set your heart upon something you really want that you know is wrong, or you can set your heart upon something that is so good and it's what you really want. This is the path Jesus chose. Now, I want to read to you a quote. This is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was actually a Wesleyan pastor in the early 1900s. His writings to this day are so challenging and so filled with a right way to live. You just step back to go, wow, I've never thought about it that way before. This is what he had to say about lust. The pursuit of purity is not about the suppression of lust, but about the reorientation of one's life to a larger goal. (laughs) Here's what he is saying. Catch this. If you struggle with lust, the problem is not that you're trying to do away with your lust. The problem is you're not lusting enough. You're not pursuing a goal that is higher than what you're settling for. One author actually said that we are too easily pleased. Our heart, our mind, and our emotions stop short of where we could lust to have it now. It pleases me now. Instead of pushing past that lust to find a higher reason for life itself, we settle. And Diedrich Bonhoeffer is saying this, that listen, the problem is not in lust itself. The problem is you're not lusting after the things which are bigger than the lust you're actually falling for. Wow. I mean, that's a, what's the emoji, right? I mean, that that's an amazing statement for us to step back to go, whoa, 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 whoa. Am I settling 
with lusting for what's on the ground when I could be sitting at the table with the king to experience life itself. Now, I, I want to stop for just a moment, and I want to share three things with you that you already know. I know that you already know this. As a matter of fact, if you want to type it in the chat window, you can say, I already know this, because I know that you know this. But it's really good for us to just talk about it real fast about this lust monster. I'm going to give you three truths about this lust monster. You've already heard it. I already know that. But I'm going to give it to you anyway. Here is number one. This truth about the lust monster is this. Can never be satisfied. The lust monster can never be satisfied. Never be satisfied. Proverbs 27, 20 says this, death and destruction are never satisfied. Watch this. And neither are human eyes. We know where lust begins in the eye. Lust begins in the eye. This Proverbs says, just like death and destruction are never satisfied, it wants more, it's want more, it's want more. The lust of the eyes will never go. Whew, that's enough. That's enough. Never. That's why it just takes one more one million dollars to make you happy. Just one more. Just one more. It takes just one more newer item or the newest item. It takes just one more watch, just one more click, just one more video. So if in your mind you hear a whisper of just one more and then I'll be done, you just need to know that's the whisper of the lust monster completely lying to you, telling you that it can satisfy you when you will never be satisfied. Now, I want you to listen to me. If you are a teenager or you have teenagers in your house, God bless you, first of all. But if you have teenagers or if you are a teenager or a young adult, please listen to me. When it comes to your world of sexual immorality, you can't escape it. Images are everywhere. Posters are everywhere. On the click of a phone, sometimes you don't even look for it and it pops up. I understand all of that. Here's what I want you to know. There is also a lie that the lust monster will tell you, and that's this. I will be quenched if you just go there. Okay? Hear my words. You do not quench a monster. You awaken a monster that you will have to quench for the rest of your life. That's the reality about the lust monster. You do not quench him. You have to feed him the rest of your life. So if you are a student, young adult, please listen to everything else that I tell you about this lust monster. The second truth for us to know about this lust monster, lust monster is the lust monster will destroy your entire life. That's the important thing. Your entire life. The book of Proverbs, chapter 7, I encourage you to read it. I'm going to set it up for you. There is a gentleman, a young gentleman, who is walking the streets, and the lust monster calls out to him from the window. He thinks to himself, I've got time. Nobody's here. Nobody's going to see. I can go spend time with this lustful monster. In this case, she's wearing a skirt and makeup. So he decides to spend time with her. At the very end of the story, he realizes what's true about this point. Proverbs chapter 7, verse 22 and 23. With persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. All at once, 
he followed her, like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose, till an arrow pierces his liver, like a bird darting into a snare. Here it is, don't miss it. Little did he know it will cost him his life. And listen, it didn't cost him her job, though that happens to so many people. It didn't cost him his marriage, though that happens to so many people. Listen, it costed him everything. His life, joy, peace, contentment, happiness. It cost him everything. The lust monster lures you in with smooth talk and then destroys and takes your entire life away. Now, I know you already know this. Again, we're talking about things you already know. The third thing that you already know is this. The lust monster never comes alone. Now, oh, you might say, oh, well, that's new. I didn't know that. See, yeah, you need to understand this part too. This is what I discovered in my own life. The lust monster comes with other monsters. This is unlike some of the other monsters we've talked about. When you engage into a lustful desire, it's usually hidden. It's usually in secret. It's usually something you're wanting to get away with that no one else knows about, but you alone know. Here's what you need to know. When you engage in that activity, there are other monsters that come along with lust. Just look on the screen. I'll give them to you. Unbelief comes with lust. The reason we say yes to lust is we don't believe God is good. So unbelief comes. Lying comes. We have to start lying about where we were, about what we did, about who we were with. Uh, anger comes because lust never satisfied. There is an anger that is set within us because we can't find satisfaction. So we now live with an edge. Someone, our, our spouse, our kids, someone at work says something and we just go off quickly on them. We're like, whoa, 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 what happened? Well, here's what's happening. You didn't know this, but when lust comes, there is a spirit of anger that comes because you can't get satisfied. So you live with an edge. Along with lust is another spirit comes and it's deception. Deception is simply this. Deception is, I'm going to put up a front of who I want you to think I am. But behind who I'm portraying myself to be is the real me. Now, here's what lust does. Because lust brings lying, lust brings anger, lust brings deception. Here's, here's, here's the heartbreaking part of this. I'm deceiving you as to who I really am. So when you try to love me, I don't get to experience real love. And unfortunately, I'm not able. It's not that I don't want to. I'm not able to give you real love. Remember the difference between love and lust. Lust is all about me. It's a life turned inward. It's a downward spiral of shame and guilt. Therefore, I don't want you to know the real me. So the real me, because of a spirit of now deception that's come up, I suffer in silence behind who I want you to think I am. Do you see it? Also coming with lust is also fear. What if I get found out? What if they know the real me? 
What if they know about my spending habits? What do they know? What if they find out about the lust that I have with pornography? What, do, what if they find out that I can't get enough alcohol? What if they find out that I can't say no to pain prescription drugs? What if they find out? So there is this, this anxiety now that you live with in all of your relationships behind the facade of deception that has now also come into your life, but also is manipulation. It's just, if I'm lying about who I am and what I'm doing, uh, I have no other choice but to manipulate you into believing my lies that I'm telling you. You see how this works. You already know all this. The other is control. The other is doubt. So many other spirits we invite into our world with this one monster called lust. He does not come alone. Now, it'd be kind of sad if I just went, hey, let's, let me pray for you and then we'll get out of here, right? I mean, <laughs> that's no fun. Now, I will cut it short. I'm gonna cut this very short. Did you know that when it comes to sexual lust, the Bible gives one answer. Now, let me back up to say this. Every other temptation in the Bible, God talks about standing firm, put on the full armor of God, resist the devil. Um, all of these, take your stand, be on guard against every other temptation. Did you know that in Scripture, sexual lust is the only temptation where God tells us to do this? Run, forest, run. That's it. Haul boogie. Get out of town. Don't try to think about it. Don't talk to yourself about it. Just take notes from Forrest Gump and just run as fast as you can. What a great word for us. Make it easy. Just run. Talk to somebody when you get wherever you need to run to once the temptation has passed. My story, as I've shared it many times from the stage, involved pornography, uh, watching, uh, looking at a magazine when I was 10 years old that I found out in the street. And so this has been my battle for years and years and years. When I talk about the other monsters that came in with lust, it was easy for me to write those down because I experienced every one of them. And I remember years ago, years ago, sitting on the edge of my bed with my wife, just weeping, saying, I want you to know the real me, and shared with her my entire story. She knows everything I've ever done. So do my two brothers. So do men in my life. And there is such a freedom of being who God made you to be, which is you are imperfect, yet in his eyes, he has made you perfect through Christ. And there is freedom there. And I want to share with you something that I shared with someone at lunch just a few weeks ago. Um, this gentleman contacted me. He's a friend at the bridge. I promised him I would not share his name, but I asked him if I could share his story. He said, absolutely, please. A gentleman and a friend of mine who struggled with pornography for 35 years. 35 years. Tried to quit, couldn't quit. Didn't know the answer, didn't know how God fit into all this. And I remember sitting down at lunch with him, sharing my story and looking at him going, doesn't it feel good just to say it, number one? Doesn't it feel good just to tell somebody your story? And number two, I'm promising you, there is hope. Now, there is a book that I recommended to him that, hey, listen, if this, if this helps you, I want it to help you as well. The book is entitled Surfing for God. The author's name is John Cusick. This is the best book I have ever read on lust in my life. 
The whole premise of the book, Surfing for God, is simply this. When you are surfing for porn, you are surfing for greed, you are surfing for things, what you're actually surfing for is God. You are stopping short of settling for something that's better. When you're surfing for porn, you're actually surfing for God. When you're surfing for stuff, you're actually surfing for your heavenly father. This is the best book I have ever read on lust. I recommend it to you. I also recommended that my friend do something. I recommended that my friend go home and get these, just little sticky notes and a pen. And I said, you need to understand, there are three things that I think will help someone who feels like they're trapped in lust. Number one, it's gonna take humility. Number two, it's gonna take honesty. And number three, it's gonna take day by day. There's no way around it. Humility, honesty, and just day by day. And I told him, I said, Here, here's what I want you to do. Take your sticky notes. I remember doing this. Every night before you go to bed, on your mirror in your bathroom, put the, put the sticky note up and write one. And as you write one, you're saying, God, I had victory today because of you. God, the lust monster was quiet because of you. And on this one day, I'm celebrating life with you. And then the next morning you get up and at your bathroom mirror, you're actually brushing your teeth. You tell God, you say, God, by your grace and your mercy and your help today, by the time I go to bed tonight, I want to be able to do, go up to the mirror and write too. And then the next day, you get up in the morning and go, God, I experienced life for two days with you. And by your grace and your mercy, by the time I go to bed tonight, I want to be able to come to this mirror and write three. And I told him, I said, it's just you understanding that it's every single moment we need Jesus. It's not every season of life. No, no, no. It's every moment. I said, this will also do something else between you and your wife. This will build trust. That way you don't have to talk about it every day. She's not wondering every single day that she will be able to say, look at him. And maybe it's reversed because I know this plagues women as well. Maybe it's your husband that will be able to look to say, look at her following Jesus for three days in a row. I remember that this number for me got up to 117 or whatever. And I remember my wife looking at me going, okay, I think we got it. You know, we're going to get up to 2,400. How high does the number go? It was just a way for my wife and I to communicate that I'm depending on him every day and I'm experiencing victory over this lust monster that has plagued my life. You know, I actually texted him yesterday and I said, hey, how's it going for you? As we've checked in with one another every now and then. And I want to read to you what he replied to me. He said this, it's going great, exclamation point. 42 days strong. My wife and I are closer than ever. It's amazing getting the junk cleaned out, then filling it with what God has in store for me and for us. I just finished the book, Surfing for God. I never knew that others actually went through and felt the same way I did. It really opened my eyes to see how Satan was disrupting my life through my addiction. I was just so beaten down and felt so worthless. Just knowing 
how I was being manipulated makes it much easier to resist now. It is changing my life. Isn't that what you want? Life, freedom, and for the first time in 35 years, he is experiencing it through the power of Jesus Christ. Now, I wanna share something with you. You have three options when it comes to whatever your lust monster is. It might not be pornography. It might not be sexuality. It might be something totally different. You still have the same three options with the lust monster. Here are your options. Number one is this. Okay, I give up. I give up and I'm going to say yes to this lust monster. Bring it on. I can't say no anymore. I'm not denying it anymore. I'm not going to say no to you anymore. And so my answer is yes. And I'm diving head in first. Just know in doing so, which I don't believe you really want to do that anyway, he will take life itself from you. I don't believe, it's an option, but I don't believe That's where you really want to go, or you wouldn't be watching this today. So the second option that you have in this lust monster battle would be this. No, 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 yes. No, 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 yes. This is the person, it's like they have a bungee cord tied to their back and they're running from the lust monster. No, 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 okay. No, no, no. You can only say no for so many days and then you're right back on it, right? It's the cycle of I'm not going to do it anymore, not going to do it anymore, not going to do it anymore. Ah, I did it. And it's a cycle that does not spin this way, by the way. That cycle for that individual spins this way. It is a downward spiral, though it may feel like an easy circle, it is actually a downward spiral of saying no, 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 okay, no, 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 okay. There is a third option. My friend at lunch has never heard of this option. It revolutionized the way he saw his relationship with Jesus, and that's the third option. I choose Jesus. I can't say no to this anymore, I fail. I don't wanna say no, 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 yes, I fail. What's the third option? The gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news of Christ is the option. Now listen to me, please hear me, especially if you have been burned by lust before. I want to tell you about one more story and then I want to share with you a passage that I hope you read in a way you've never read it before in case you've heard of it. David lived thousands of years ago. If you don't know about him, arguably the greatest king that Israel to this day has ever experienced in their life. David, the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart, which simply meant if his heart ever faded, he would just come back to God, want to obey God. He was the guy, by the way, who killed the giant as a little boy with a sling. Maybe you've heard the story. His stories were unbelievable of how he accomplished amazing things for God. One day, uh, scholars believe he was in a midlife crisis because he had accomplished so much, won so many territories, advanced God's kingdom forward, and he was at home when his soldiers were at war, which is where he should have been. So he's kind of, he's kind of relaxed in pursuing God and putting his kingdom first. And he goes out on his balcony. He sees a lady by the name of Bathsheba. Bathsheba, I'm sorry about that. But he looks at her and she is gorgeous taking a bath outside. Now, note to all the ladies, take that inside. We don't need any temptation as it is. Take that inside, but that's beside the story. 
He looks at her and says, I want her lust. Lust monster comes on him and he goes for her, brings her in, gets her pregnant, and he tries to cover it up as, remember, when lust comes in, manipulation, lying, anger, deceit, all comes in with it. He actually murders her husband, cover it all up. She has a baby. He looks like he's taking care of her, and he looks like the golden boy. The problem with that is God knew what happened. The prophet of God comes in and basically tells David everything he'd ever done. In Psalm 51, David finally humbles himself and gets honest. I encourage you to read Psalm 51. I just want to read a couple of verses to you, if you don't mind. Psalm 51, verse 2. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin are always before me. There are two words that David mentions that's just fascinating. One, iniquity. Two, transgressions. Can you say those with me? Iniquity, transgressions. Iniquity, transgressions. I want to explain those to you real fast. Iniquity is simply this, an inward motivation. He says, I was born in iniquity from my mom. My mom was a sinner, so when I was born, I recognized to you, God, there was an inward motivation, an inward longing, an inward leaning to sin. That's the lust. He says, I was born with this, this desire in me to sin, and I can't get away from that. Then he says, transgressions. Transgressions is the outward expression or outward activity of the inward lust. We use signs like, don't trespass. That's where that comes from. Don't step across this line. David says, God, I have two problems. Number one is iniquity within. Number two, transgressions without. My hands commit what my heart desires. And I confess both of them. My iniquity, inward. My transgressions, outward. Now, God is brilliant. This week, God showed me something in a passage I've read many times before. He took me back to it, and I thought, that is the answer. This is the answer for you. If there's a desire you can't control, and you are expressing it over and over outwardly. Isaiah 53 was a prophecy given about Jesus dying. What's fascinating is, it was given 700 years before crucifixion was ever invented. And Isaiah is writing about Jesus, what he would be like, what he would do, and why he would do it. Listen to these verses in Isaiah 53, verse 5. He, Jesus, was wounded for our transgressions, and he was bruised for our iniquities on the cross, Jesus, Jesus would be wounded for your transgressions. Where do wounds happen? Outwardly. He was bruised for your iniquities. Where do bruises happen? Inwardly. He was wounded for your transgressions of what you can't help to do sometimes. He was wounded, bruised inwardly for the iniquity you were born with. Jesus would look at you and me to say, I took care of both for you. The answer is not in saying no, 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 no. The answer is going above that lust and longing for me.
The answer is not stopping short of what you want now, but looking beyond that to the one who paid for your iniquity on the inside where he was bruised and paid for your transgressions and wounded on the outside for everything you've ever done. You know, what is the result in that? The result in it is exactly what we desire. Look in the same verse, it continues, he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, and that punishment brought us peace. That was on him. And by his wounds, we are, what's the last word? Healed. We're all broken. Iniquity has broken us inwardly. Our transgressions has broken us outwardly. And Jesus steps into the picture to say, what you really want is peace and healing. And I hold it in my hands for you. The answer is Jesus. If you are struggling with a temptation of lust, if you have an addiction of lust for more of, you fill in the blank. Your answer is in a person, not a program. It's not even in a prayer. It is a person that the program or the prayer might lead you toward. And his name is Jesus. He is the answer for you internally and externally. And listen, please, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus in humility and honesty, would you choose him today? I want to give you that opportunity right now. Just say, dear Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need a savior. I want to be honest with you about my sin, though you know it will. It has broken your heart. My sin has broken others' hearts. And in humility and honesty, I'm not who you made me to be. I confess my sin. And for the first time, I kneel before the cross and I acknowledge you paid for my sin, both inwardly and outwardly. And to you today, I place my trust and my hope and I receive salvation. I receive your forgiveness. I receive the Holy Spirit. I receive new life in you today. And by your power, I will walk one day at a time with you. And then tell him, thank you for healing me. Thank you for peace that I can be the real me. Thank you for restoration of who you made me to be. Thank you for taking my guilt and my shame away from me where I can walk in freedom. In your name, I pray. Amen.